Pete for sharing that song with us and understanding us as well that Pete wrote that song. So uh, for all those who want to buy a copy, I'm now his manager and um, you can get your, your copy through Amazon and uh, we're calling it the Lloyd Thorpe combination, you know, collaboration. And uh, it's going to make us this time next year, Pete will be millionaires. All right. Absolutely fantastic. In all seriousness, what a great song. Tonight, I just want to share for a few minutes, and I want to talk about No Limits Faith. No Limits Faith. And uh, just as Pete was singing that song, I thought I'm going to change exactly what I'm going to say. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Mark in chapter 2, and uh, I just want to talk for a a minute about the fact that if we're going to live a life of faith, then uh, we've got to push through all the barriers. There are some obstacles to living a faith life. And uh, some of those obstacles are natural and then others are spiritual. But we've got to learn to push through them. And just for those who are, um, are interested, uh, last week, uh, obviously, we just tried to set the scene in terms of my uh, time that I was going to be sharing. So looked at the whole foundation of faith. And this morning, uh, really looked at dynamic faith, but per- persisting in faith. And as I say tonight, I want to look at no limits to faith. So let's launch right in, shall we? And Mark chapter 2. And uh, verse 1. It says there, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Verse 3. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus... Because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. Some versions say they unroofed the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, Your sins are forgiven. Another version said that Jesus was impressed by their bold belief. Now verse 6, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Father, I pray that tonight, just in these few minutes that we have together, that you would enable us all to hear what you are wanting to say to us, and that we would understand the truth that we want to live in faith, And that in faith, 
there is no limits to what you can do. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. This passage of scripture I absolutely love, but let me just address it first of all before we get to the, to the, the issue of, of the healing, because it's really important to understand that actually Jesus addressed the real need of the man. And the real issue of the man, actually beyond that he, he was a paralytic, he couldn't walk, was the fact that he was a sinner. Jesus, first of all, dealt with the issue of sin. You see, when we talk about faith, we're always looking for the big miracle that we see in the scriptures of the deaf hearing, the, 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 the blind seeing, the lame walking. And yet the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle above all miracles is the fact that we were once sinners and we are now forgiven. It's the greatest miracle of all. And we must never lose the fact of why we do what we do, what Jesus is wanting to do. He's wanting to build his church and he's wanting to see his kingdom extended. And that is what we'll be declaring on Sunday. You know, I, I don't know whether it's going to be Phil or I, but I've just got this thing buzzing around in my heart. Only the gospel will change lives. It's only the gospel. I was saying it again just at lunch. It's only the gospel that's going to bring a change to this country in which we live and the nation in which we, we, we live and the world in which we live. Only the gospel it's only the gospel. And so Jesus addressed the issue of the man's, you know, uh, sinfulness. What's interesting to note, as I just looked at this passage a little while ago, let's just look at it together, verse 5. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I just want to, you to understand this for those who are taking notes, because this really, really touched my heart. Actually, the original placing of this text is not, son, your, your sins are forgiven. But actually, the original placing of this text goes something like this. Forgiven are your sins. Now, I may say, what am I saying? It's completely different. It brings a completely different slant on it. Because what Jesus actually does here, he, he expresses the tenderness of love. He doesn't say, your sins are forgiven first. He says, Forgive, forgiven are your sins. Do you understand the difference? Forgiven, Jesus deals with just such tenderness, such love, it just oozes out of him. He wasn't smacking them round the head saying, you're a sinner. He was first of all saying, forgiven are your sins. Have you got that? And, uh, yeah. I, I was just really touched by the, the, the beauty of, of just that, the original placing of the text. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And Jesus deals with the issue of the man's sinfulness and says to him, forgiven are your sins. Well, what's that got to do with no limits? Well, it doesn't just stop there because the writer Mark then begins to explain what Jesus then begins to do because he recognizes that actually people who were around the day and were around, they were seeing that actually, um, uh, you know, they were thinking these things in their heart. Well, how can he forgive sins? And Jesus knew that, so he basically went one further. And we see the healing of this man. But what I want to comment just for a few minutes is on how this miracle occurred. Because we, if you look at the text, it actually says there, there was a crowded room. I know this is pretty basic. There was a crowded room. So crowded was it that there wasn't even room inside or outside the door. 
So there was an issue here. There was a restriction. Four men, and what great friends they were, wanted to carry their friend to Jesus. How often are we, do we allow restrictions to stop our miracle? We stop the restriction. Well, it's too busy. It's too crowded. I, I can't get to it. You see, these men could have lived with all of that. They could have said, well, AD, we haven't got enough money. We haven't got enough equipment. We're in the wrong culture. You heard all that tonight. But here's a man who's saying, actually, no limits to what we can do and what God can do. We could say tonight, well, there's only a handful of us here tonight. And what normally is here because it's holiday season. And we're looking to do all this great thing in Mansfield. And how can that be? And we're restricted immediately by stuff that we put in the way. And I want to say to us again and just decree and announce, there there are no limits to what God can do and wants to do in and through us. And these men were not going to allow the obstacle of a crowded room trying to get to Jesus to get in the way. So what did they decide to do? They decided to do the most unusual thing, and that is they carried him up some steps and onto the roof. Now, it wasn't a roof made like we would have, which would be timber and slate. It was, was a, a, a flat roof, and the roofs of the day were made with mud and straw and hay. And that's how they made them. But I want to tell you, it would have taken a little bit of muscle, a little bit of effort, and a little bit of initi- initiative to say, I know what we're going to do. We're not going to just allow the crowd to stop us, but also we're not going to allow the roof to stop us because there's no limits. If we can just get this man before Jesus, we know he's going to be healed. We know he's going to be healed. And so they began to tear up. They Again, the version is they unroofed the roof. And I've said to you before, what commotion that must have been. As as is equivalent to me, Speaking now, and all of a sudden, the roof begins to cave in. And we'd be thinking, dear God, what's happening here? That's what was, was happening. Don't forget, it was crowded. There wasn't any room in that, in that house. It was absolutely locked solid. Jesus is talking, and all kinds of important people are there because the teachers of the law were there. So it was a big deal, a big crowd that was there. And all of a sudden, the roof begins to come in. And you're thinking to yourself, what is happening here? But the point is, these four men did not allow the crowd nor the roof to stop them getting the miracle that was theirs for their friend. Again, how many times have we allowed circumstances to get in the way of our miracle? God does not want us to live with limits. There are no limits to what God can do. Jesus saw the, the, the men, hello, as he's peering through the roof, and he's such amazed by these four men, because verse 5 says, when Jesus saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, I think there's something about pressing through and breaking through that gets the attention of God. I mentioned it this morning. There's something about persisting before the Almighty that gets heaven's attention. 
The more you knock, the more commotion you make, the more you've got God's attention. That's the only way I can put it. I'm not talking about having a tantrum, standing, why are you, God, you doing this? I'm talking about turning that negative into a positive. God, I'm in this situation. I don't know why I'm in this situation. I don't know what's happening, but I know you're bigger than it. And therefore, I'm going to come before you and I'm going to call on your name. Not just today, but tomorrow. Not just tomorrow, but the day after and the day after. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's interesting that Daniel, in the book of Daniel, went to prayer three times a day. And it took 21 days, 21 days for God to act on Daniel's prayers. By my reckoning, that's 21 times three. That is 63 times that Daniel was knocking on heaven's door. God, I'm asking you to do this. God, I'm asking you to do this. God, I'm asking you to do this. I said again this morning, I think there's times when God is looking for men and women to stand up with no limits faith and say, I'm going to keep knocking on that door. And it's almost like God the Father says about Paul who keeps knocking day after day. God, I'm asking you. God, I'm asking you. And God's there with Jesus and says, you heard that knocking, Jesus? Yeah. Holy Spirit, have you heard that knocking? Yeah. Yeah, it's Paul Stokes again. And his wife's now at it. And Jean's now at it. And Jen's now at it. Oh, my goodness. Are these... Oh, Sally Ann's now at it. Margaret's at it. Anne's at it. This church, they're non-stop. They're knocking on the door. Have you heard them? Well, let's just see if they're really persistent. Let's just see if they're really serious. The following day, Jesus, have you heard that? Yeah, I've heard it, Father. Yeah, this time it's 80. Oh, Paul Stokes will be off in a minute. Here he is. Okay. Oh, and here's Sally Ann again. Oh, now the Turners are at it. Oh, flipping it. Right there at it. And Barry, he's now at it now. Oh, my goodness. Dave, oh, Dave Crabtree, yeah, I know him. All right, he's at it. Vicky, Vicky's at it as well. You're getting the story. You're getting the thought. Just keep knocking, knocking, knocking. You see, these men were persistent, and they would not allow the circumstances to stop them from getting the miracle. I really love that thought of how we need to press through and be active in our faith. I just want to conclude because all I want to just give you is a little bit of taster and I'm aware that it's nearly half past and um, I just want to give you a little bit of a taster. So just turn with me to Acts in chapter 3. No limits faith. If we want to live with no limits faith, we've got to learn to persist. We've got to learn to persist and not allow the obstacles to get in our way. Let me just say as well, with no limits faith, usually it comes through in a very unusual way. You see, what they actually did, they unroofed the roof. That wasn't a kind of in thing to do really, was it? To just wreck somebody else's property and vandalize somebody else's property. Well, it wasn't their house, was it? So... Because if it was their house, they'd be in the house. So it was somebody else's house. I mean, how does that work? Yeah, absolutely. Just think it through. It was somebody else's house. That, that was just a bit unconventional, a bit weird, really. But they just vandalized somebody else's house because they were committed to getting to the miracle. Sometimes God will ask us to do some very unusual thing. I'm not talking about going and vandalizing something. Please 
you guys don't, oh, Kev's now dashed. But God will ask us to do some unusual things that aren't necessarily the most conventional, but it's God's way of doing it. And if we will do that, we will see there are no limits to what God can do and there's no limits to our faith. Right, let's look at Acts chapter 3. You know the story very well. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him and said, as did John, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Some preachers have actually said, wow, what an amazing miracle these men. The first miracle of Peter and John. It wasn't the first miracle of Peter and John. It's a load of rubbish. Where have you got that from? Because it talks about in the Gospels that actually Jesus sent them out in two by two to do miracles. It doesn't name them, but they did amazing miracles. And they came back to Jesus and said, even demons, uh, you know, yeah, well, that, that happened. The issue about this miracle is actually it's the first one that just names Peter and John. And it was after the day of Pentecost. And all I want to conclude with this, this thought. You see, again, Peter and John... Didn't, obviously didn't have any money in their pockets. And I believe that because they said, silver and gold, we don't have. Now, actually, they might have had some copper coins, but the point is, they didn't have much money, yeah? And often we can think, well, I haven't got much, so God can't do much. And God comes back to you and says, well, what do you have? And give me what you do have. And I'll put the rest to it. We have a bit of a challenge. When our kids particularly want something, they say, well, I'm never going to get that. And I'll say to them, if you will save as much as you can, then your mum and I will try and think how we can get to add to it. So it's almost like they may be wanting something that may cost 20 quid and they've only got two quid, but they've given everything that they've got And then I, as parents, have the ability to find the other 18 pounds. Faith works much like that. We bring what we have to God and say, this is all we have. And now, God, as Father, I'm asking you to put the rest to it. Does that make sense? And Peter and John, Peter particularly, was not going to live with any limits. And he said... Silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we're going to give to you. And this man got more than he bargained for. I want to encourage us to live like Peter and John. Because again, we can so be restricted and limited by what we don't have, and we don't thank God for what we do have, and we don't bring before God what we do have, And what we do have, God just wants us to present before him. And what we then present before him, he then adds to. And a wonderful miracle takes place. Very often we don't do anything because we don't think that we have enough to do what needs to be done. Am I making myself clear? 
And again, I want to lay a foundation in our hearts that we may not have everything that we need, but all that God is asking us to do is live with a no-limit faith that says we might not have everything, but we're going to give what we've got, and then we're going to believe for an almighty outbreak of the Spirit's power, and we're going to see a wonderful miracle take place. I can say to you, there are many times that we have done things in Arena Church, in my time, and we've not had the money. More often than not, we've never had the money. You may say, surely not. I'm telling you. There are things that we are presently looking at that we do not have the money for. We don't have the money for it. There's no money set aside. There's no boiler fund set aside. There's no, you know, accounts stashed away. There's nothing. There's nothing. And some people would say, well, don't you think that's a bit irresponsible? It would be if we were doing it on our own, but not when God's telling us to do it. When God's telling us to do it, then what's irresponsible about it? Because it's his ministry, it's his project, it's his church, and he'll resource it. So there's some things that we can encourage you guys to step out with us on. You might be thinking, flipping it, I'm glad that Christian's at the front or whoever's at the front. Well, that's fine. You just bring what you have and then... I will bring what I have and will believe for an almighty miracle of the magnitude that we've read about in Mark chapter 2 and Acts chapter 3. You see, God wants us to live with no limits. He doesn't want us to live with limits and lids upon our lives. He's wanting us to live in faith. I said to you last week, there's only one thing that God asks of us and there's only one thing that God responds to and that is faith you can have all the money in the world the only currency that God responds to is faith 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 that has the power to move mountains God that has faith to heal a paralytic God that has faith to cause a lame man at the temple gate to walk and that faith that has The belief that that wayward son, that wayward daughter, was going to come back to faith. Faith that believes that that crisis that I'm presently in, that I have no control over, God, you're going to turn that around. That husband that I'm believing for who's going to come to faith, he's going to come to faith. That building that we're requiring, that we're needing, God's going to meet the need. The weather, the sun to shine on us on Sunday at Titchfield Park. Faith to believe. Faith to believe. No limit faith. I just want to lay it as a foundation in all of our lives. It's something that I really believe that God's speaking to us about, that God's really laying in in my heart. I'm not talking about recklessness, but I am talking about a life and a walk of faith. I wonder if we'd bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the way that you work and move in our hearts. Lord, you're wanting to stir in faith in all of our lives. And thank you for that wonderful song that we've heard sung tonight. There are no limits to what you can do. We might feel like we're in a desert place. We might feel like we're in a hard place. We might feel like all hope is, is lost and gone. We might feel like there are crowds coming in on us. There's no way we can get to Jesus. There's always a way. And I pray, Lord, that we would not be people that quit too early.
that we would continue to persist in prayer, that we'd continue to knock, we'd continue to believe in faith for all that you're wanting to do. I pray, Lord, that you'd build faith in every one of our lives, everyone in our, of our hearts. And Lord, for all of us, would even operate in the gift of faith. Lord Jesus, that when we need the gift of faith, it would be ours to receive and to operate in. I pray, Lord, that again in these coming days, we're going to see multitudes come to you, giving their lives to Jesus Christ. We're believing for every penny that we need to be poured in. We're believing for every need to be met. And Lord, we're believing that people are going to be saved and people are going to be healed in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, for every need that may be surrounding these, these great people here tonight. That, Lord, instead of trying to do it on our own strength, we would continue to look to you and we continue to give everything to you. And we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We did it this morning. It's not because we did it this morning. I wonder if we could just stand to our feet as we close. Time has gone. But whether we can just sing that song, I Surrender All. We led it this morning. Julie led us this morning. I surrender all. I really believe that somebody, a people who walk the walk of faith, Peter and John were totally surrendered to God. We already know that Jesus was completely sold out to what the Father wanted, the Father's will. And part of the challenge to our life and walk in faith is just a continued surrender to his will and his purposes in our life. I wonder if we could just sing through a, a couple of times and then we'll enjoy some great refreshments. And as we do that, if you just feel inspired to say, God, I want more faith in my life. I want more of you in my life. Why don't you just raise your hands where you are and as you sing this song, just as a prayer, make it your prayer to God tonight. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Julie.